Hello, everyone. My name is Suki Thompson. Welcome to Reset, the podcast, a place for you to get some inspiration and advice to help you live a more fulfilling work life. I do hope that your journey to feel more connected, more inspired, just a bit more energized starts here. Take a moment now with me to reset. This week, I am joined by the Benny Babe boss of UK and Ireland, Sarah Harbin, the Benefit General Manager. Sarah and I discuss how important it is as leaders to create a culture of kindness in a business. She shares how she tries to build her team at Benefit with a focus on the people within it. They encourage colleagues, customers, and all others to be unapologetically themselves. Creating a strong team of kindness with colleagues who support each other, she argues, can enable them to be more commercial and resilient to change. And as, after all, we are only human, everyone has moments of weakness and everybody makes mistakes. It's how you deal with that in a business environment that makes all the difference. I love this week that we discover a little of the very essence of one of our great high street, best loved beauty brands and some of the passion of the leader behind it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you do, please like it and share it with your colleagues and friends. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. It's so lovely to see you. How are you doing? Um, how are you today? Yeah, good. Thank you. It's raining, but um, yeah, still feeling pretty okay. Good, good. Well, you know uh, the question that I ask because we've done this several times uh, in workshops and things that we've done together. So on a scale, on this Friday, slightly rainy morning, um, on a scale of one to 10, how energised do you feel today? I would say, considering it's Friday, I'm still a hot eight. Oh, Yeah, go for that. Excellent, excellent. Um, We're going to talk quite a lot today about culture. You know, it's something that you and I have talked about before, but I think, um, I know it's something you're very passionate about, but it's also something that Benefit Cosmetics, that you're the GM of, um, is also very passionate. But but before we get there, um, let's talk a little bit about you, because for me, you are one of those very upbeat positive energetic people were you like that as a child have you always been (laughs) yeah probably irritatingly so I've always been um enthusiastic and easy to be positive and upbeat when you spend your time in something that you feel really passionate about and um, I was always really lucky as a kid that you know my hobbies are something that I did for years and years and years because I loved it um, and I've also been really lucky to work um, in industries and in businesses that I love. So you never really have to um, do those first three steps. You know, the, the one to three of the one to ten um, are sometimes very purposeful for, for people who um, maybe don't have all of those things stacked in their favour. So I consider myself to be um, one of the lucky ones. Mm. 
And you've been in sort of retail for a lot of your career, haven't you? Um, was that something that you that you knew about? Was it something that you went, yep, this is the career that I want to be in? Um, it was when I started doing it. Um, when I finished my A-levels, um, I had a place at a place called Newman College, which is where they uh, trained teachers, Catholic teachers. Um, and that's what I was going to go and do. And uh, I sort of by accident took a year out. I didn't really mean to, but I did. I didn't go traveling because, you know, it was it was the, the 90s. We didn't necessarily go traveling at that point and have a gap year. I had a gap year at work. Um, but uh, that that year suddenly turned into like five years. And at the end of the, the year that I, I, I worked for Boots, um, the chemist at, at that point, and towards the end of that year, I thought, God, I really love this. I really love the buzz. I've really been connected to people. Um, I really love helping. I really love learning because Boots would, uh, I, I trained to be a healthcare assistant with Boots, which seemed like about 50 years ago now. I mean, it probably nearly was about 50 years ago, but uh, it seems to be a really long time ago. But I realised that I could carry on learning and, and carry on developing myself. And I didn't necessarily need to be in the academic world to be able to do that which was a world that I loved, but I was never necessarily very good at. Um, I got, you know, great exam results and all the rest of it at school, but I had to try really, really hard. I wasn't one of those like natural students that just like rocked up on the day. So I fell in love with retail really early and um, yeah, forgot to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've done one of those things that I talk a lot now to younger people about. I think there are two things in life in particular that take time. Uh, one is relationships and the second one is your career. And, you know, you've been uh, 15 odd years at Benefit. Um, you were uh, at Waterstones, you were at Borders for seven years. You know, so actually, even in our career times, that's, that's you know, it's a long time. Um, but, you know, you are, you have progress through and we and we do often see this in retail but how did you manage to particularly at benefit how did you manage to develop your career there and kind of keep progressing forward rather than going two or three years right I'll move and I'll, I'll wander around and then I'll come back as the, as the top dog <laughs> yeah if only with that easy um I, it's a question I get asked a lot, especially as um, I've been promoted a lot within the business that mm. I still work in because I joined uh, 15 years ago, but not as GM. I was a regional manager at that point. I did that for two years and then, and then I was a divisional manager for two years. Then I was about eight years as a sales director. And then I'm the rest, whatever the maths is, I was the rest then as, as the GM. Um, I think if I could tell my 20-year-old self what that was going to look like, um, it was to not think too much about what the next step is. And the advice that I constantly give to um, everybody who's on those earlier stepping stones of their career is just to be really, really good at the job that you do, but also contribute more than your role. And that doesn't mean about doing more work. It means about contributing to a business more than your work. So be a good student turn up on time be the person that puts the chairs away at the end of the meeting and that's not to say that you're like the sap of the group because you're willing to do that and like you know teachers pet etc and all of those things mm. it just shows that you're diligent and you care about your environment and you care about the people who are around you 
And those sorts of things get spotted. And what you want really is behind closed doors when people speak to speak about you, isn't only about the fact that you're good at your job, but that's why we're paid and that should be a given. That's why you're there. It's just like, oh, I really love working with her. You know, she was really good in that meeting. She was really kind in that moment. Those are the things that actually separate out talent because there's lots of talented people in the world and some people are kinder than others. So you really have to, you know, when you think about, um, you know, increments of gain to your competitors, if you like, the people who you're competing for jobs with, often we think about being better at the thing that you're doing, which you'd have to be remarkable in in comparison to a good um, candidate in order to be able to stick out. So then what comes is you and how you turn up and how you show up to the business. So I'm not saying that that's the only reason why I was promoting because I'll put chairs away at the end of, the, end of a meeting or anything like that. But it's a combination of all of those things and, you know, really contributing and being more than your job. Mm. It's just, it's such great insight. It's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because I think particularly in retail and, and maybe not quite so much in, you know, in, in the sort of makeup, um, beauty, healthcare, where there are more, female leaders but traditionally retail is not only very demanding very commercial very tough also if if, you know if I conjure up the kind of retail bosses that I've seen before they are everything that is not that they are not the people who put the chairs away they are the people you know the number of times that one of my best stories I won't say who it was of of a retailer that I met he came up to me and he said yeah so what time did you get do you get out of bed in the morning and I'm like, I'm sorry. And he said, I, I get up, up at five o'clock in the morning. I then have a, a a triple espresso and then I'm in the store by six o'clock. And I'm like, sorry, am I meant to be impressed or really yeah. worried about you? But to me, that is the leaders that we've seen for years and years. And you must have in your kind of career seen those kind of leaders. So how did you become the kind of leader that says, do you know what? No, actually, I'm going to be kind as well as really brilliant commercially. Uh, look, there's no there's no halo here. I have my moments in the same way that everybody else does. And sometimes I get up at five o'clock in the morning because it's a necessity about how to get the job done. So, you know, sure. there's, there's, there's no hard and fast rule and I'm sure that any people who have worked with me may listen to this and say well she wasn't always that you know because none of us are always that but that's the piece I think you need to remember is that um there is no like how how did you become nice I think to an extent you are that or you're not You, you you either have a leaning towards people or you don't and I feel really sorry actually for leaders who are in a position of leadership who don't necessarily have all of the emotional intelligence that they need to, because they can't help that in the same way that, you know, I've got blue eyes and red hair. I think so, you know, some of this is just who we are. And some of it is, uh, you know, also a combination of previous experiences that we've had. And if you've worked for that guy who you were just talking about, and you just thought, God, that's what I need to be, then sometimes you inherit tendencies that you don't mean to either. So I think... For me, it's about being ever conscious, even if it's a natural leaning of yours, that what you want to do is the right thing by people. It's being ever conscious that it's a person that you're dealing with, even when they've got stuff wrong. So, in in fact, especially when they've got stuff wrong. So I've had situations before um, 
in all of my career where you've had to deal with people when they are possibly at the lowest point of their career because something's gone wrong and there might be an informal process or, you know, which is horrendous. And it's horrendous for the manager who has to take them through it as well. But it's most, it's most horrendous for them. And at that point, if you deal with them while you're irritated, because the thing that you they've just got wrong might have cost the business money or it might have been catastrophic to a customer. And now you're having to deal with the customer shouting at you. And now you're having to deal with that with this person. If you start to forget that they're human too and you deal with them with a huge amount of judgment and not enough compassion you will get it wrong because everybody leaks it doesn't matter even when if you open your mouth it's my absolute worst trait even if I don't say anything I don't need to it sort of oozes out of me anyway and I read in a book recently actually um a, a, a coaching book and it said we cannot not communicate which I thought was a brilliant way of remembering how to try and keep ourselves in check always, uh, not just when we're communicating via email or, you know, face-to-face. So it's not easy. It, putting people first isn't easy, especially when, as business leaders, we're trying to juggle lots of different priorities. We've got targets to meet. We've got profit to make. We've got campaigns to um uh to to put out on time and to make sure that they're all effective and you know there's lots and lots and lots of plates that we're trying to spin but you're only one person I mean you have to you you just got to get a grip of yourself and know that you're only one person and unless you've got a whole army of people with you you'll achieve nothing yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that I think that insight about we don't all get it right all the time and actually you know I'm forever kicking myself and going that you know I could I could have handled that slightly differently or I could have said that slightly differently but there are different pressures on you aren't there at different times um let's talk a little bit about benefit because culturally benefit is one of the businesses I I mean I literally love it and and I and I I think about it a lot because I wonder if it's do I love it because I love the products and I love the sector which I do but it is, I am sure, the love of the fact that you've got such a strong culture and it's sort of, it's absolutely in the DNA of benefit. So, um, but can you just tell us a little bit about it? Because I love it, but I think you articulate it really well for those people listening that don't really know much about benefit and, and the kind of, you know, the essence of it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we speak a lot in business, don't we, about values and and in order to be able to stay in a job for a really long time, your values and the values of the brands have got to be really aligned. And if there's something that's off, not all values will align all of the time. But if it's one of your top three that's off with the brand, then you probably won't stay there very long. So benefits really deliberate in in its DNA. And it was created by sisters in the 70s in San Francisco, twin sisters who decided that they were either, their mom made them go out and get a job and they were either going to sell casserole or lipstick. So they tossed a coin and here we are. So, you know, all of those years later, 40 odd years later, we're now here and we're selling, um, we're selling cosmetics. But it was a brand created by women for women. And they were unapologetically themselves and having met them on on several occasions and sadly they're no longer with us. They were really larger than life characters and the brand became almost a 
a manifestation of who they were and that they stood for something, but they didn't stand for everything. They What they wanted to do is to make sure that they had like a girl's locker room so that you could chat with a girlfriend when you're on the shop floor. And we know that to be true because we get so many declarations from customers of moments that they're going through. They share with us, you know, their daughter's having a baby or they share with us, um, you know, the fact that their father might not be very well or that they're, they're not very well. We've had people declare the fact that they've got domestic violence going on in their home to our teams on counter. And that comes from this closeness that we hope that over time, it doesn't happen because somebody decided to go and get a sandwich and boots one day and then they're going to tell the, the, you know, the benefit team member this. But it comes from a closeness that the brand builds, we hope, with our customers so that she really feels that she owns part of the brand with us, that she can come and she can feel really, really comfortable. Because you just alluded earlier on to the fact that, um, you know, that there's this probably... In the beauty sector, you know, there's a lot of women working in the beauty sector, and there are, but there's also, the beauty sector is really scary for a lot of women, us included, when you walk onto the floors and, you know, yeah. it's, you know, lots of, um, you know, women standing there and they're all made up and, you know, you might have just come in from the like, dog walking, yeah. and that's me included on a Saturday when I go into my <laughs> local school if I say hi to the teams. And I often say to them, like, don't judge me. This is Saturday. This is what this is what Parker and Face looks like. So we we should we should try and break down some of those barriers so that that people can feel really, really comfortable. So essentially, we have a mission at Benefit, and that's to create a beauty community for all dedicated to doing good and feeling good, because that's something that everybody in the business can achieve. We can all try and do good by our customers. We have a philanthropy program every year called Bold is Beautiful, where we donate money to look good, feel better and to refuge. But in addition to that, we should make women feel good about themselves. And that's not just about makeup. It is because, you know, lots of women will feel better once they've had their brows done. But it's also about the chat and about how she's being served. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I love that. And so, I mean, that's quite a responsibility for uh your benny babes that are in store because some of them are, are boys as well as girls yeah. that, that are serving um that's quite that's quite a challenge for them where they're i mean it's a little bit like hairdressers isn't it or people in a nail bar um and if they are hearing some quite difficult stuff do you do you support them in a way to do that do you talk to them about the kind of conversations that they're going to have well, not consciously, because actually in the thousands of customers that you would serve in a week, the the those moments are really few and far between. Mm. And actually, often our teams don't talk to us about it. Our teams don't say, oh, God, you know, just need to let you know this has happened. But I'll give you a really good example. We opened a Marks and Spencers recently, and that's a bit of a departure for us because Marks and Spencers hasn't traditionally been associated with premium beauty. But internally, we'll always talk about, to, you know, business should go where she is. So it's not about us creating this beautiful benefit world and then dragging customers to us. She's already in Marks and Spencers. The dwell time is really long. She's there and she's shopping for herself. So she should be able to avail of premium beauty. But we didn't know how that would go. and We didn't know how we would show up in that store. So we have opened a handful of a handful of um, counters. And in the first week, we got the numbers and I thought, yeah, I mean, that's telling me that there's a good, strong business there, that there's a good association with the customers. But the best thing for me, and the, the team member didn't tell me this, 
we had a, um, an email from Marks and Spencer. So we've had a customer compliment from one of the team members um, on counter in Handforth Dean. And um, the customer just wanted to let you know that she'd gone shopping with her daughter and she was undergoing chemotherapy. She wasn't feeling great about herself and, uh, you know, her brows were affected, et cetera. So we spoke to her and we said, oh, pop down and, you know, let's uh, let's have a chat about it. And she really, really didn't want to do it. And then one of the Marks and Spencer's team members came over and said, no, like sit yourself down, you know, just have a chat. And she not only bought a few things, which is absolutely not the point of the story. The point of the story was that she was so delighted by the interaction that she had with our team member in there mm-hmm. that she felt that she really needed to, you know, email the store mm-hmm. to say, this was amazing. I felt incredible on the back of that. So we know that we get it right because we employ really nice people and that's where it all starts so the support sort of comes by accident and that's because we support people who want to support others um so yeah we we don't necessarily do anything specific with them but what we will do if there's a declaration for instance that wasn't quite as positive as that then they would probably tell their manager and then yeah we would put additional support in there for them yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what, a, what a lovely story that's I know. So nice i must like feel wow we loved it we were so proud of her and you know they're dedicated to doing good and feeling good as far as our mission's concerned that ticked both of those boxes but it ticked both of those boxes for everyone because our team member on counter did good the customer felt good but we all felt good that that happened as well so it's a bit of a it's a bit of an all three six round 360 mission yes Yes, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I think when we were working together during lockdown, one of the things, you know, when we when we do the seven needs test, um, relationships is invariably really strong for most companies. Um, it's very strong for benefits. Um, and, and one of the things that really struck me was people genuinely missed each other. You know, they, they were like, this is really hard because I'm not seeing my friends and I'm not seeing the others and I can't physically, you know, not only could you not do the makeup, but you couldn't actually hug each other. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was really striking. Um, you know, now things are, are, are different and you're you know, sort of doing some different things, but how do you help and support and create that lovely environment where where people are so supportive and you do have different generations of people working for benefit that are in store. It's not just all really, really young girls. You've got a real mix. Um, and that's quite hard. And I just wonder how you how you how you pick people, but also how do you create that kind of really positive environment of support? I can't tell you how we pick people, otherwise I'd have to kill you because it's a it's a trade secret where we get our people from. Um, I mean, we post COVID, COVID and post COVID, we had two really different challenges on our hands. We were almost managing, as far as a collection of people concerned, two very different communities. So the teams who work in cancer who are face-to-face with customers every day. And let's not forget that when we came up post-COVID, the danger of COVID was very, very real at that point. Mm-hmm. So we're all still in masks, obviously, as we were shopping. And we carry out services that are like this close to a customer's face. Mm-hmm. So we had loads of things to think about. And we got loads of stuff wrong because we'd never done it before. But, you know, there was a, a couple of things that I can remember really painfully right at the very, very beginning when we were writing our terms and conditions for having a service done. And we got something wrong. We got hauled over the coals for it, deservedly. But it wasn't intentional. We changed it within hours. 
But at that point, the damage is done because people think that you're being quite, everyone's sensitivities were quite heightened at that point. So we just had to roll with it and know that we hadn't done it for the wrong reasons. We'd actually done it for the right reasons and got something wrong through that. So you have to have permission to fail as well. So we've got these teams on counter. We had to do everything we could for them to be able to keep them physically safe. But in addition to that, we've then got the office and it was closed, it was open, it was closed, it was open. When we moved into the next phase where everything was starting to open up again, of course, Benefit, like every other business, I think, in the UK that ran an office, then had the challenge about bringing people back to the office. Now, that was hard because lots of people who like working on their own really like working at home. Lots of people, as you've said, who really like people and art, we've got a big percentage of those really, really wanted to be in the office. And we'd always intended on having going to a 60, 40 week anyway. So we would do three days in the office and two days from home. We were due to do that actually as, as COVID closed the office down and we didn't. So as soon as we could get the office opened, we did, but it wasn't full time and it hasn't been full time since then. And it works pretty well. We've just done a survey actually of people saying, how happy are they with flexible working? The answer is very, yeah. because our teams really love that interaction with, with other people. Now, I know that there's, you know, offices in this country, um, you know, uh, agencies maybe that we work with, et cetera, who still aren't fully open. And yeah. I know that there's offices within our business that still aren't fully open, both in the UK and abroad. Um it's a question that fascinates everyone. Is your office open? Yeah. And what I would say is you have you have to just have a leap of faith as far as it, you know, this sort of like slow elastoplast moment benefits no one because you all know what the end result is eventually. So you may as well just get through it as yeah. quickly as possible and then try and work through some of the gremlins. And that's not because you don't care about the people who don't want to come back. That's because you care about everyone. And at some point, you know, this is this is this is the joy of life, isn't it? At some point you get loads right you'll still get some stuff wrong because people are people and, and not everyone thinks the same about the same challenge. But the thing that we did know about the stores, we surveyed customers, 7,000 customers were surveyed just before we reopened from the pandemic. And the number one thing that they were looking forward to getting back to wasn't a brow wax, although we probably all needed one. <laughs> it wasn't product. It was our teams. And that surprised us so much. We sort of knew it, but we didn't think that that would come back in the survey. So 7,000 surveyed customers said the number one thing I'm looking to, looking forward to doing is to talk to the teams which is amazing isn't it yeah. it's so lovely it is so lovely um one of the questions that I spend and we spend a, a lot of time talking about at the moment with businesses is companies that have a strong sense of purpose which I think you do as commercially things become tough, and you know we are in a very difficult economic and now political environment as well, um, it's much more difficult to focus on that purpose. And in fact, there are some businesses that go, do you know what? It's just commercial now. Doesn't matter. How do you balance that? And how do you think about it? Ooh, I mean, it's it's a really tough one to answer, and. Before I do, what I would say is anyone who's making decisions like that is is in a really, really tough situation. And anyone who would do anything different to us, there's no judgment about the decisions that they're making because everyone's financial situations are really different. And I think we all need to be really kind in remembering that to say, well, that person may not be backing a charitable venture this year because they're struggling to pay the people that they've got. 
So it's it's a really, really difficult balance. Personally, uh, we've been really, really lucky. We we are owned by big, uh, uh, a big business, LVMH. So we know that we've got some financial backing to uh, to make the decisions that we're making. That said, I'm totally responsible for the financial health of this business in in the UK and Ireland. So I have an I have a number, if you like, that all business people need to hit at the end of the year in exactly the same way as everyone does, regardless of who my dad is. So uh, all of the decisions that are made locally are with that in mind about well, what would the impact be. What I do remember is in 2020, when we were closing the stores down, phoning both of our charities to say that we weren't going to be able to support them that year because Bold is Beautiful, our charitable venture, was now cancelled because we give money through brow donations. So the more brows we do, the more money we give. And we understand that it's a lot. Now, for Look Good, Feel Better, uh, she's a cancer charity who um, helps women with the with the physical effects of, of their treatment. They also had to cancel workshops. So it for, for me, the two things weren't balancing one another out at all, but I could understand that their need was actually reducing temporarily at that time, even though the need of their, their um, uh, what's the word, the, the people who were availing of their services were still there, but they physically couldn't do the thing that they wanted to do either. With refuge, it felt horrible because one of the things that we did know is that during COVID, during COVID, domestic violence actually went up, yeah. and one in one in uh, there's two women a week killed in the UK from um, domestic violence from a partner or former partner, and their call centre calls just went through the roof. So we knew that us not being able to carry out our campaign was going to have a material difference on that charity. Yeah. So. What you have to do, what we had to do when we got back in 2021, it wasn't as big as it was in 2019, but you do what you can with what you've got. So it's not about cancelling it. It's about doing the best you can. And the the following year, so this year, we've we've carried it out again. And we did more this year than we did last year. And we'll get back to the high levels of donations that we had before. And they're still high as far as the charity is concerned, but we know what the after possible is. So you, there, is, there is no balance for us. We knew that we had to do it and we can't stand up to our mission statement unless we're going to continue to um, to invest in, in charities. But in addition to that, and I know that's what Let's Reset's all about, there's also a much increased need to, um, to provide services inside of businesses as well as outside. So, you know, the, the mental health provision has become more difficult. Um, obviously, the NHS is stretched to to breaking points. So there's lots of things that now that are falling in with the four walls of a business that would normally be completely outside and 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 kept at arm's length. So yeah, I mean, all we can do, we can all do, is do the most of what we've got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I and I think that sort of openness, you know authenticity is is such an overused word but actually you know to your point it's all about the communication of it isn't it and I think you know what I've seen as we have worked together more on the program over the last 18 months two years um, is that a real focus on people communicating on talking of saying you know and I've, I've heard you say it sometimes do you know what this is not the outcome I wanted this is not the conversation I wanted 
it's a tough one, but it is the reality. So, you know, I want to be open to answer your questions or tell you what's going on. But, you know, sometimes I can't change the outcome. Yeah. And 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 as a as a business leader, that sucks. And you know, my my whole I, I suppose the thing that gets if anything's going to get me in business is knowing that we've got people who are in our business who aren't happy because of something that we can't deliver. And that could be a plethora of different things. It could be on a campaign, it could be on a promotion. It feels rubbish to say to somebody, I mean, you are ready, but we don't have that role. And then they're like, well, I'll just go somewhere else then. And you're like, I don't know what else I'm meant to do because I don't have that role ready right now. And I'm not saying that, you know, it'll be a never, it's just it's just not now. I, I don't care, I don't care who you are. That unless unless you've got, you know, a glitch, a personal glitch, you know, that should hurt, you know, you should hurt with your people. You should understand, although you can't do anything about it, you should understand and empathize with why they'd be disappointed with that. Now, sadly in business, sometimes they're disappointed with you. And I don't think that that's right either. They should be disappointed in the circumstances because we're all in this together. And in the business, you should be talking from the same side of the table, not opposite sides, especially when it comes to things that eventually will get somebody from where they are to where they want to be. Like we would all want that for that individual. So, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Just to talk a little bit about you, because you, you know, uh, there aren't enough still senior women that are leading businesses we've seen that it's now less than 10 females running FTSE 100 businesses um and but you have very successful but you've got a family as well so you've done you know a number of resets in that kind of world um I just wonder how you balance it all yeah I mean I think if we go back and we have a look at a few different videos that uh, we've done together, you'll probably yeah. find a different answer on each of them. Um, we'll click them all together. So we'll, yeah. she said this, but that's the reality of it. There is no hard and fast rule about how you do it. And I feel like I, we, we, we do something called fish we have done something called fish a benefit um and if anyone hasn't read the book then it's well worth uh, you know an hour of your time because that's literally all it takes and one of the pillars of fish is be there and it's when you're choosing to be in a place be totally with that person don't be in your emails don't be in your you know your phone i mean it's it's my worst pillar no and, and it's the one that i would aspire to nail all of the time because I always feel like I should be somewhere else with someone else talking about something else, which is the only way that I can describe it. You're constantly thinking about what you're not doing rather than totally thinking about what you are. I think work-life balance is harder now than it ever has been. As much as COVID, you know, gave us all a real, you know, kick up the backside about, you know, what home life should feel like. As soon as we got back on, the challenges of trying to trying to, trying to run a business is really hard. The challenges of trying to get a business back up on its feet is just, yeah. you know, 10 times harder and all different challenges that you've never had before. So the brain power that it takes is massive. I mean, only brains much bigger than mine can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's trying to, it's, it, it is trying to consciously strike a balance, not give yourself too much of a hard time. But I also think that sometimes we think that work-life balance is about, you know, 
having it all in a day and you know having work-life balance in a day and for me like I work away from home all week and I have done for over a decade now so when I'm at work I'm at work when I'm at home I'm at home so and though those two things do leak into one another you know when I was a regional for this business I was work I didn't work away as much and I'm still working on Saturday and I'm still working on Sunday and I loved it and I really wanted to you know get onto that next level and I was really interested in my business and I'm still all of those things but I know that there's like saturation point in my head that unless I take some time out my time in will be much more ineffective because I literally can't see the wood for the trees because I've been looking at it for too long. So walking a dog, you know, I do a PT session with my stepson every every uh Saturday. Sorry, Jake, if you are listening. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm horrible at it, but like yet I turn up and I just love those moments when I mean, I can't I can't answer an email if I've got those battle ropes in my hand. I can't do it. So you have to physically try and do something, I think, to take yourself out of your everyday. But I still don't see people enough. I don't text enough. I don't phone enough. You know, I've got all of those same challenges that everybody else does. But um, we're all good people. I'm sure that we'll all forgive one another and give one another a big hug at Christmas. Yes. Yeah. But I love that point. I I have similarity similar in as if I don't force a boundary I have boundaries and I've learned over time that actually there is only one way to give myself some boundaries and that is make them be make them be there I you know I just don't have enough self-discipline so uh, I'm just overly excited so yeah and I love that you know I get that I just need to do that um and then Sarah finally um you know, the, the founders of Benefits, you said, you know, very charismatic sisters. Are, were there some characteristics that they had that you saw in them and would love to either have or you saw and you now emulate? Um, I mean, the short answer is no, because and that, that's not because they, they were amazing, incredible creatures, because they absolutely were. But they were so unique. If I was to put, if I was to try and emulate who they were, people would think that I had, you know, lost my mind because they they were those people who, they were like the, you know, Elizabeth Taylor characters, nothing like Elizabeth Taylor, actually. But when they walked into a room, they were like six foot one. They were like beautiful twins. And you'd walk into a room and they were, you know, everyone would just stop and turn around just because of who they are. And they had this real presence They were creative. They were literally two sides of an atom. One was, you know, really into the numbers. One was really into the the creativity of the business. So they were just so unique. But I am really fortunate that for all of the years that I've worked for Benefit, up until like the last four when they retired, I had brilliant, brilliant um, uh, leaders, Ian and Gail, who actually brought the brand over to the UK who were basically Mr. and Mrs. Benefit to all of us. You know, if it wasn't for them, then the distribution wouldn't be here in the UK, actually wouldn't be in Europe. You know, they they really, uh, as far as we were concerned, they owned the brand. And interestingly, they were like two sides of, of one brain as well. One was very numbers. One was very creative. I would go to one if I had a people problem. I would go to the one if I had, you know, a, a problem with a retailer. So... I, I I could avail of all of that mentorship, if you like, but from two yeah. different, really different ways. And they were real, really yin and yang, but complemented one another, brilliant, literally two sides of one coin. 
So I've been really lucky that I've had, you know, a lot of a lot of great people around me where I could look at behaviours and and learn loads from. But essentially, when it comes to being a leader, you are who you are and you have to be humble enough to know when you don't know all of the answers. You have got to surround yourself with people much brighter than you are. <laughs> it's my number one tip. <laughs> my team are brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But if they work in silo, they are brilliant in silo. And what makes a brilliant business is what a leader's job is. And that's to bring all of them together so harmoniously they can help and develop one another and, you know, develop and create a brilliantly strong business from every facet. And I'm I'm so fortunate to have that. Yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. And, and you know, I, I always am fascinated by you because you do have this very commercial side and very creative and kind side. And I, and I see maybe, you know, if you've, if you've had those yin and yangs to learn from, mm-hmm. um, that's clearly really, well, it feels like it's helped you and given you that kind of perspective. Yeah. Um, and then finally, what do you do? You, you said you have a PT with your stepson on a Saturday morning. Lucky Jake. Um, what else do you do to look after your well-being and that really helps you perform at your best? Um, what do I do? Not enough, I think, is is the answer. Um, I love walking. I love listening to podcasts. I listened to a brilliant podcast yesterday that I immediately sent to my team saying, you need to listen to this because it was incredible. Um, but they, t- they tend to also be a variation on a theme. So um, it was a Bruce Daisy podcast that I listened to yesterday. Ah, was it? Um, and I think, you know, every moment is a learning moment, isn't it? When you when you listen to something and you have a look, my email to my team was, this isn't totally transferable, but it won't take much brain, brain power to get you from what he's talking about to, you know, what we're talking about. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, surrounding yourself with good people, not taking yourself too seriously, binge, binge, you know, watching a box set, all of the same things that other people do. But I do think sometimes I was I was away um, uh, for a few days and, uh, sorry, my husband was away for a few days. And when he got back, I felt really rested. Now I spend all week on my own. We, we technically don't live together during the week yeah. and we come back together at the weekend. But for this weekend, he wasn't here and he went away and I was in the house on my own. And my reflection to that, and I do like to reflect quite a lot, which maybe is a tip for understanding, giving yourself time to learn what you're learning, because you don't really know that you're learning it at the time. But my reflection to that time that he was away is it was the first time in about two days, first time, sorry, in ages, that I hadn't had to speak to a soul for about two days. And the level of restoration that that gave me was incredible. So it's not about, you know, whether you're at work or not at work. Sometimes just closing down your whole system and, you know, you you talk to the person you just paid for milk for, but that's it, mm. was was so good for me that I could just really, really, you know, close down and not really have to think about something too much. Because even when I'm not doing anything, I'm still doing quite a lot. I'm still like, you know, might do like a puzzle on my phone or a Sudoku or, you know, something like I'm still yeah. doing all of this. So try and consciously do as little as possible. That's <laughs> yeah. my top tip there. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I can completely understand that. As you know, I spent quite a lot of time in Cornwall. And the five-hour car journey, which I often do either really early in the morning or really late in the evening, um, there's kind of nothing I can do. 
other than drive, maybe listen to a podcast, bit of music. But actually, I find it so brilliant. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking about the big stuff that I've got to do or thinking about nothing. Yeah. It's so enforced. And for me, if people offer to come down with me, I'm usually like, yeah, but could you not come in my car? <laughs> but you see, you gave yourself a boundary again. You just yes, yes, that's so what it you is. made yourself do it. I've made myself do it. I've made myself do it. Oh, Sarah, it's so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. As always, a real joy. But um, you know, thanks for sharing some of those things. I- I'm so delighted that the founders of Benefit didn't make casseroles. I know, so am I. <laughs> I'm a rubbish chef. Let me tell you. <laughs> And I'll see you again very soon. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks, Suki. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Reset the Podcast, I'd love it if you would forward it to your work colleagues, friends and family. Reset the Podcast is a Let's Reset and Advertising Week global production. Executive producer is Richard Larson. With me, Suki Thompson. Thanks to our sponsor, Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits and voiceover artist, Talitha Penny. Music provided by Audio Network.